talking to all these women that I talk to each week, um, I feel like there's definitely a trend. And one thing that really, really surprised me is how many suffer from like imposter syndrome and like confidence issues. And I was like, wait, how can that be? Like all these women who are beautiful, successful, smart, have amazing... But this is people who even are like reaching the 1.7% and reaching the million dollars are still having imposter syndrome and self-confidence issues. Hi, I'm Zoe. Hi, I'm Erica. Hey, Erica. This is our podcast. What do we do on the podcast? Uh, We talk to wellness experts. What do we talk about? Mm, Wellness stuff. And why are we doing this? Because we want to have an inclusive conversation about things that you can actually use and apply to your life. Right. We don't think that wellness should feel preachy. We think it should feel like everybody can participate. That's right. So if you like what you hear... Tell a friend. Give us five stars. They're all free. All of the above. All of the above. And think of us as your navigators on the bumpy highway to well. Hey, Erica. <laughs> hey, Zoe. <laughs> happy Thursday. And to you. Um, it is a happy Thursday. We've been having <laughs> chats with people that make it feel a little happier sometimes. <laughs> sometimes it's nice to get out of our own little hidey hole. Yeah, exactly. As I am sitting in a closet right now, but that's yes. okay. You get the idea. I get the idea. Um, let's talk, let's just do a little. Uh, let's tee it up, huh? This conversation we had with Mimi, who is so lovely. She is lovely, Mimi McLean. Um, she also is a podcast host that we had the pleasure of joining. Um, we she has two podcasts, by the way. She's also got the one on Limes, which is. Uh, I mean, you might be a two-time guest. I, I, I might be because I now I feel like I have it. Um, anyway. <laughs> Go on, sorry. I no, but she is. Uh, she's an entrepreneur in her own right. Um, she is a Columbia Business School grad. She is a CPA. She's an angel investor. She loves investing in companies led by women. What? Oh, hey, wait! I oh, hey, women look who are over here, Mimi. Hey. <laughs> um, no, she did actually express interest in having conversation with us, so that was cool. Um, and she hosts the Badass CEO, and she is a badass CEO. And Zoe, so are you? Oh, sorry, yeah. Sorry, No, it was a good chat. I like talking to these women who have like a real interesting perspective on the on on the market because, as we know, there are still far too few companies that are led by women, let alone you know funded by women for women. So it's nice to yeah. We get into all that good stuff. The stats are pretty shocking. I will say, ladies. Stop with a nonprofit. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's all good. Let's put your, you know, it's a good thing to do. But like, can uh, just some of you take that money and start a venture fund? Yeah, just a few. Let's not leave it all to the men. As soon as we're making money again, we're going to start a venture fund. Seriously. No, it's definitely like it's, it is on the vision board. Yeah. For sure. I feel very strongly about this move. (laughs) That's my path. I'm on it. I'm getting on that that train. (laughs) Oh, well, she is a delight. So enjoy. And um, here's Mimi. So what if I told you your morning coffee could make you smarter? Or that your afternoon dark chocolate habit could also provide the most powerful immune support available in nature? You'd probably say I was full of shiitake. That's a mushroom joke, because we're a mushroom company. Earth and Star, bringing you the amazing benefits of functional mushrooms in your favorite everyday products. We make coffee, tea, snacks, and more, 
all with a whopping 2,000 milligrams of adaptogen extracts like lion's mane for brain power, chaga for immune support, and cordyceps for physical stamina. Crack open a can of our certified organic plant-based lattes and cold brew, or choose our ground coffee to brew at home just the way you like it. Sweet tooth? Try our four flavors of delicious dark chocolate bars or our cute little drops to put in your favorite beverage. Every Earth and Star product is 100% organic, gluten and dairy free with zero refined sugars, fillers or gums. That's gross. But do they taste like mushrooms? No, they taste like coffee, matcha, chocolate bars and everything else you already consume. They just come with extra superpowers. Visit earthandstar.com and use the code podcast to get 15% off your first order. Earth and Star, your daily routine elevated. Welcome, Mimi McLean, host of Badass CEO Podcast and also just a badass podcast and investor, entrepreneur, etc. Welcome and thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Full disclosure, it's kind of funny that we just had a chat with you last week on our own stuff and now the tables are turning. Uh, yes, this will be fun. I'm looking forward to it because I feel like I already got to know you guys really well. Wow, we had a good chat. Yeah, like you—you you guys are two girls after my own heart. You know, entrepreneurs, serial entrepreneurs, and also in the wellness industry. Yeah, there's well, a lot and that's, of those these days. There of, are, of, yeah, but we were saying like, there's not. There are so many. Obviously, the the audience of the wellness industry is so heavily skews female, but there are still so many founders. It, you know, in the founders world, there's still so many of these brands that are led by men, which doesn't make. A lot of sense, just because they there shouldn't be, um, right? But, you know, we've just uh, we 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 got some catching up to do, even in that department. Yeah, I feel like what you're starting to see it. You know, as as an angel investor, I definitely see more opportunities coming down, or more founders starting to do, and that's one reason why I started my podcast like a year ago because. One thing, two things. I actually have two podcasts. I don't even know if you guys know that. I have a Lyme podcast You're called Lyme. Lyme. Yes, because yeah. I'm I'm a Lyme warrior for the past six years, and because I'm in this wellness industry, I love talking to people about wellness. And so I've been talking to doctors and other um, practitioners on ways to heal your body, specifically from Lyme. And then by doing that, I love talking to people. And I was like, what else do I love talking to people about? And I was like, starting businesses. So that's why I started the Badass CEO, where I'm interviewing women as if I'm like an angel investor, talking to them, you know, just candid discussions about their business. Well, how did you get started with all of this? Let's go back a little bit. Cause you're, I mean, it's it's amazing to see, you know, that that even though this is a small community in some ways people like you that are kind of carving out their own path and saying, okay, I'm taking what I know from this chapter of my life and I'm taking what I know from this chapter and all the things that interest me and kind of making it something you know, unique unto you. So how did you... I know. Yeah. I'm definitely like the jack of all trades, master of none. Um, as my dad used to call me, I'm fickle. <laughs> so like, is that a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know. But yeah, I started out in investment banking. I'm actually a numbers person. So I started out in investment banking. Um, I worked for Kidder Peabody until it went under. And then um, at that point, I had a job. Um, I was like, my dad was an accountant and he wanted me to be an accountant. He's like, that's a great business to fall back on, you know, as a woman. You'll always be have a CPA. So that's when like I I had an offer from Pricewaterhouse out of college. And they're like, if it ever doesn't work out investment banking, give us a call. And so I called them. And that Monday, I had a job in New York City for Pricewaterhouse. And so I did the accounting thing for two years, got my CPA. I hated every minute of it. 
I'm not an accountant type. Um, but my one friend at that point, just quickly, just to go through my history of my life, um, my one friend was a buyer at Bloomingdale's. And I was like, oh, that sounds fun. Maybe I should do that. Right. And so I called her up and I was like, hey, can you help me get, get into like, get a job or get into that buyer's program? So um, she did. And I think I was the oldest one in the, in the buyer's program because that's usually right out of college. Mm-hmm. Um, and my dad's like, wait, wait, you're making money the wrong way. You're supposed to make more money as you leave jobs, not less money. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was making a third of what I made at investment banking at, at Bloomingdale's. But anyway, I loved every minute of it. It was fun and I really enjoyed it. And I knew in the back of my mind, I wanted to do something more entrepreneurial. So I was like, what other better way to learn about a business than working at Bloomingdale's like in the buying program? Because it is like running a business on somebody else's dollar. So I did that until I went to... And then I did another quick, quick stint at another retail company. But then I went back to business school. And that's where I focused in on um, entrepreneurship. And at the time... Fast forward because I'm old. It was like, or about, you know, I w- it was 2000 and um, the internet, the first internet kind of bubble just happened. But at this point, nobody was selling anything really online. There was right. no shopping. Um, and so I actually, with a partner of mine, we, we came up with this idea to do weddings online. And I was trying to convince retailers to set up their like stuff online for what brides to sell. To go buy their like wedding registries online. At that point, nobody was doing it. Like I was going up and down, you know, the avenue in New York City to these retailers, being like, "Hey, Crate and Barrel, you should really put your stuff online and sell it." Wow. And they thought I was crazy, right? And that's what I was trying to do. And we won the business plan competition. We were one of the finalists at, at Columbia Business School for it. But it was just like we were almost too early, and it was too much. Like it was like just too early. You know what I mean? It's, so when when did the not happen? I feel like it was right. That was that after. Same time. Yeah, it was right, or maybe it was happening the same time, and it was kind of like percolating. But we were focusing on like wedding websites and like event right. sites that you could then get to selling. So it was kind of that way. And I don't know why I never even thought of like the whole retail angle of it. But I was just kind of concentrating on the wedding part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at that point. I I got I was married at that point, but um, I I got pregnant and I I then moved out to the suburbs and kind of got inundated with like having a family and so I didn't really was doing it kind of you know as also being a mom and you know we wind up my partner and I wind up you know going ways because she wanted to program like that was her thing she loved programming and I was like I'm not a programmer this is not like I don't want to program so we kind of just went ways separate ways and then from there I started a couple other companies so that kind of just like went away that company, but then I started another company. So I've kind of always been a serial kind of entrepreneur. And, and that's what you're, how old are you at this point when you kind 28, of 28, 29? I had a baby when I was 29. So yeah, I was 29. And then for the next 10 years, I lived in suburbia, Connecticut, kind of always thinking about like what I wanted to do next. And at that point, everyone thought I was kind of crazy, right? Because at that point, that's where I think I came and met you guys, or not mm-hmm. you, indirectly you, the blueprint. No, it actually probably was me or one of us because we right. were doing... Like, we that's were... when I was like super into like eating healthy and reading and, and kind of researching all that because um, I had a baby and I just was like, this is crazy, you know, as far as like the toxins that you're in your body. And so I started researching a lot about that. And um, that's where I came across you guys um, with the Blueprint Cleanse because no, at that point, nobody was drinking green drinks, right? So I don't know why, like I kind of could see trends, but I could never like actually start the companies like you guys did that like <laughs> succeeded, you know? So anyway, so I started doing that, but then I, I started doing your cleanse. But my next company was um, 
It's called Savvy Stitch. It was actually a monogram company because at that point you couldn't buy baby gifts online, and there was like no mon- there was no markgram, there was no like monogramming and baby personalization. So I started doing that out of my house, selling like and making baby products like the monogram sweaters and the monogram like everything baby monogrammed, and I started growing that. But again, I was like sitting there doing the stupid monogramming myself. So there's a lot of <laughs> lessons I look back on. I'm like, what? So we'll fast forward because I have this book I'm telling you that I'm writing about, but these are all lessons I've learned that I'm like, okay. Well, and now that I'm talking to people, I now know like people like you guys, CEOs, I now see like, now I know to, what to ask them because of my mistakes I made. It sounds like between the monogram, like the monogram business and the wedding business, like you should have just gone right to Crate and Barrel in 2000 <laughs> and like, Led their innovation and like yes yes that been like a perfect marriage or platform for yeah you. yeah it's it's crazy um because you look at now Mark and Graham you're like wait that could have been me we're like yeah. even Pottery Barn that whole like leg of Pottery Barn you know right. of, like their whole yes. monogramming yes, yes. baby department it's like crazy but um yeah so I did that I did a lot of different entrepreneurial things I even started a superfood company believe it or not um. That was, I did 10 years ago, right when I was turning 40, because we moved to LA 10 years ago. And it was funny, I can't even remember the company, but I went to a school called IIN in New York City to become a holistic health counselor. That's I didn't the want to be integrative, what, in, what, integrative Institute of nutrition. Integrative Nutrition, Institute, right. um, which is a great program to get your feet wet of like, like diving in and really kind of getting into the holistic world. And I knew I didn't want to be a, like a holistic. I did not want to be a health trainer, right? I didn't want to hear and sit, listen and talk to people about their food and their problems because that's just not me. But I was doing it because I wanted to like hear about like I wanted to learn about the industry and what was where mm-hmm. the trends were going. Um, and there was this great company that was an MLM that I love their product. I wish I could think of the name of it. Wait, MLM, and, like a multi-level, multi-level marketing, marketing company, like a direct sales company. And all of a sudden, they went out of business. And I love. I was so bummed because I loved their products, and I wish I could think of the name of them. But so when I moved to LA, I found the the founder, one of the founders. I said, "Let's let's restart it, but not as an MLM." And so we did, and we started this like great company. It was called Island Superfoods. It had six different products that were great companies, and we great products, and I love them. And again, it was like a little bit before everyone was kind of ready. I remember going like setting up like the farmers market, and people were like noni juice with turmeric and ginger? Like what? They just didn't understand it. <laughs> but so when you say you restarted it, and obviously it wasn't the same name because you're, the, the name has escaped you at the minute. So what what piece of the company did you actually take and restart? And what I was the... I took him and I took um, the guy who started it, which, which was very interesting because I didn't do my research. Again, another thing, made a mistake. Um, I met this guy, thought he was like the cat's meow. And I didn't really kind of do my due diligence of like partners per se. And he was able to literally what we accomplished. So in three months, we had name, brand, whole everything set up, like sourced, made products, like on the shelf, ready to go within three months because he knew how to do it already. Right. And then we took kind of like the six best products from that company and we're like, and the six, like the ones I enjoyed too. And we're like, let's, let's do it. And we did it. But I didn't realize once we like flipped the switch and like, started the company, he made a lot of enemies mm. and they came out of the woodwork. Like, hey, you started the same company, like not the same company, but the same idea again without us. And what about our past investors? And Ugh. it just got really messy really fast. And he just took off in the middle of the night. 
Whoa, yeah. never came back. Noni? Um, wait a minute. So how, who, what was the funding process like for that? Like how, Me, I funded it. <laughs> yeah, because at that point I was already doing like a lot of angel investing and investing in different companies. But then I was like, hey, I'll just invest in you. You start it, I'll fund it. I don't really want to run it, but I'll be your partner. And I'll be the backer. I'll be the, you know, the financer, the money, like that kind of part of it. You're going to be the operations guy and run it. And that's kind of where I was at with it. But then like all of a sudden, like I was like, where, like the money was starting to go fast. And I was like, okay, you have all this inventory. Like he's like, well, I need more money. And I was like, great, we'll sell the inventory. I'm not giving you more money. And that's where he didn't like to sell. Like, and he is didn't he want... now somewhere on a beach in like South America? Or do we I know don't know where happens? he is. I actually think he's in the cannabis industry, to be honest uh, with you. But I'm not positive. Kind if of a I were guess, all, isn't it? I would guess. But anyway, <laughs> so it's a good experience. I've learned a lot. But it's funny because now you're, what you guys are doing is kind of that whole wellness industry continuing, right? And I feel like it just exploded. And if I just hung on for a couple more years... You know, it would have been something huge, you know? Well, okay. But in fairness to you, you know, you didn't know what you didn't know. And so you took what you had learned and, you know, mistakes and all and tried to kind of just parlay it into something else. So I don't know. Exactly. You know, so I definitely, yeah, exactly. I definitely have learned. And that's one reason we invested in Beauty Counter. Again, that was like friends and family rounds when, you know. So Beauty Counter is also an MLM, right? Uh huh. That's another direct selling company. Yep. And so I knew Greg and she, you know, asked for, you know, like she was telling me about her company and her idea and I loved it. I loved the the idea behind it. And so we invested in the friends and family round with that as well. Mm-hmm. Good, Good for so you. They're I doing really well, huh? They do really well. They just um, had an investment um, from Carlisle for a billion dollar valuation at 50%. That's amazing. Okay. amazing. For 50%. Nice job. Yeah. Nice yeah. job. Um, okay, so tell us about the book. Yeah, so you know, after this past year, I was like, you know, it'd be great. I, I'm seeing a trend, right? And I'm sure you guys see this too, like we were just talking about in the beginning. Women, um, for as awesome as we are, um, we are not represented enough. Like I, I saw a stat that only 1.7% of women companies ever reach a million dollars in sales, which I was like, what? And then only 5% of women only ever reach like C-suites, like CEO and C-suites. So CMOs, you know, CFO, 5%. And like we're 50-50 workforce. We actually started more companies, I think, in the last year, in the last couple of years than men, right? So those company, those numbers should be even and 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 or at least closer than what they yeah. are. And um, and I started thinking like we can't just blame men either. You know, we can't just blame like like, oh, it's because of like, it's a male dominated world, right? I mean, I, yes, that's part of it, but there's other factors going on. And I definitely feel like during talking to all these women that I talk to each week, um, I feel like there's definitely a trend. And one thing that really, really surprised me is how many suffer from like imposter syndrome and like confidence issues. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait, how can that be? Like all these women who are beautiful, successful, smart, have amazing... But this is people who even are like, reaching the 1.7% and reaching the million dollars are still having imposter syndrome and self-confidence issues. And I, that kind of blew I mean, me away. Hands up in this, in this, uh, in this case. Yeah, right, but that blew me away. It. It's because yeah. we're... And then it made me realize, well, why is that? Right? And so I started trying to breaking that down. And I think it's like, one, we're perfectionists. So like we, we don't think we know anything unless we know it perfectly. Right? So we don't give each other... And we're hard on each other. Um, I think 
I think we talked with you about this on your podcast. You know, I think women in general are hard on each other compared to men. You know, and, and you know, we're much more critical. Like, oh, look at like in our mind, we might we might not say it, but we'll be like, oh, look at the shoes she's wearing, mm-hmm. or oh, she's wearing a dated blah blah blah. You know, like you know, I feel like we're we're hard on ourselves too. You know, so I think we're hard on ourselves. We're not secure. We don't ask for things. Like, there's a higher like percentage of like men tend to just in general like have more confidence as far as like they they think they know more than they know, whereas mm-hmm. women think they know less than they actually know. Like they do the opposite, right? And so they walk into a room and they think they know everything, but they don't. And so they're confident because of that. So I think men are generally like, and, and they're not afraid to ask for the raise. My, I have a friend who was actually over last night and she was uh, telling me, she did all of her like research and she's asking for a raise today. She's sort of like reached the most senior level and she's asking for like a 15% raise at her job, which has been out for a very long time. I was like, God, that is so ballsy because I, I feel like the average is like 5% or something. But um, it was it's, it was just crazy how much time we spent on like this subject and how rare it was. It was just like, it's just, it feels pretty, it's, it's too rare of a thing. And then wait, the other thing that's very very funny. Uh, Erica and I went to a total tennis camp recently mm. and dorky place up in the, in the Catskills. And we were kind of commenting on like the, the sort of like different. So they, they group you out in sections, like based on your skill level. <laughs> so a great analogy. It's perfect. I, I, we both kind of, we were in the same group and, um, you know, we noticed, Oh, like repeatedly, like just sort of eyeballing different courts that were different levels around the, the sort of like campus. All of the men kind of like traded like they basically said that they were so much higher than they than their actual skill level um and the women consistently were sort of like in a, a lower group mm-hmm. uh, we had a right. like we were like everybody lies but the men lie up and the women yeah. tend yeah. to lie down, down. and they're like they're oh well i'm not sure if i can do yeah. this so i'm gonna go lower and the men yeah. are like i'm not sure if i can do it but i may as well give it a shot right yeah so yeah. i think that's a huge huge problem i think also the fact that we don't like asking for help Yep. You know, I think mentors, men have twice, like twice as many men have mentors that help them through their careers or through building their businesses. And women tend to like half, like I think it's like 35% of women have mentors, whereas 70% of men have mentors. But don't you think also, I think even just the terminology, like, because men don't like asking for help, but if you call it a mentor, then somehow mm-hmm. that makes it seem more like scholarship. Where if you call it like a coach, you know, which I think a lot of women will hire a coach where men have a mentor. Like I feel like even just in the actual syntax of it, it implies that like we're somehow in need of help and men are just seeking for, you know, improvement and, and, you know, furthering themselves. And maybe it's easier for them to network too, because it's like a boys club, you know, but I think networking is super like important, right? So women, like instead of like, like hanging out and having that, like, drink at the bar, they're rushing home to be with their kids, right? And that time at the bar is probably just as important as the time it, they were at work. You well, know, that's where their trying. deals get made. Yeah. That's what happens. So I think being really aware of like that networking and, and, and having somebody to be your mentor or help you kind of... As you guys know, you start a business, you're not going to get there on your own and you can't pay for everything. So you got to ask for help and you got to use your connections, right? To get to that... Yeah. Um, and then I would say another thing that I talk about in the book, which is kind of where my expertise lies, and, and we talked about this, Zoe, last week, is w- women don't tend to ask for money or it's harder for them to raise money. 
right? I think only 1% of women companies get invested. It's something tiny or only 10%. I don't know the fact, but it's something really small. Like out of like money raised last year, only 10% was to women. You know, it's something... I heard it was like literally 2% of all VC money yeah. is going to women. 2%. Right. Yeah. Right. And so it's like... And, and, and I've had a couple people on where I've talked to and you know, they're now they're in Sephora or they're in, you know, a grocery store. And I'm like, you know, did you have you raised money? And they're like, no, we did it on our own. I'm like, well, why didn't you? And she's, she's like, I didn't really even know how to where to begin to do that. I just kind of did it, you know, I just kind of made, made things meet and just kind of winged it. And I was like, wow, like that, like to me was like a light bulb. Like, wait, these women don't really know how to ask for money. They're they're very intimidated by numbers, right? And and the finance part of it. So that's just another thing I want to kind of help people do is like, okay, how do you do this? How do you simplify this? Like what avenue do you go? Do you go to bank? Do you go to VCs? Do you go to, you know, angel, like friends and family? Like where where do you go and what stage are you at, you know, to get there? So who is the, the book is designed for women who are thinking about, Creating a startup, or who, what's the target? In Both. Terms of- it's it's to, it's it's um you know how to be a badass CEO. So it's either you know how to either grow in within your company, like to get become a corporate America, or or to become a CEO. So how to become a CEO? Either way, like if you're starting mm-hmm. your own company, or if you are um you know, or or if you are working through corporate America and working up the ladder. So. It's just, it's so unfortunate. And I still, I like, what is the, what is the answer? I mean, we're, we are literally in the thick of it right now in terms of raising money. And it's the first time we're having to raise money. Um, our first business, we did not have to because the model was such that, I mean, we were cash flow positive from day one, very fortunate in that way. And we went straight to, to acquisition. This time around, it's a totally different model. We have to purchase inventory. There's a lot of R&D. Commercialization is expensive, all the rest. So um, we're in the process of raising money. I cannot tell you how challenging... I use my words very wisely. Challenging it has been a year into sort of this this launch, um, which is weird because it's over COVID. But, and understandably, you know, a lot of investors are shy and there's a lot of you know, disruption happening right now because of the pandemic. But for the most part, I would say we have gotten the consistent response, which is a um, little too early for us. And we're talking to like pre-seed, seed round investors. Right. They start we the know. conversation going, we like mm-hmm. to get in as early as possible. And we're like, great. Oh, right. And so, you know, the fact that they've, they've certainly invested in companies before pre-launch, um, we know it's possible. So, Literally, 99% of these conversations end with, you guys are onto a trend. We want to see some traction. Let us know when you get to market and you have six months of data to share. And yeah, because they want that risk gone just a little right. bit, right? And so, and you know, and we're obviously far from that. And so the, the last sentence of every conversation is, but with your track record, you guys, you will have no problem raising money, I guarantee Right. They just need that one person to like do it to jump or whatever. Just that it's yeah. it's just like everyone's standing at the pool and no one wants to jump in first right. to see how deep but, it is. But they're all telling us how, correct. you know, with our track record, we'll have no problem. You really? won't, you won't. And it's just a matter of like who's gonna jump in first, right? And then all of a sudden it's gonna be a party and you're not gonna you're telling people, sorry, I don't need your money, right? It's well, just saying because now it's like, well, if we go we're self-funding it, like you know. We're very uh, lucky and fortunate that we have a little some money to, to put behind it. 
but we're certainly not, you know, going to so do it all. Right? We're going to continue to do it, but we've gotten it quite far um, on our own. And I guess the point is like, by the time we have that meaningful data that shows that this is super sticky and has legs, like you're not going to need the money. We're going to need the money. We'll have done all the hard work. And but then at that point, your valuation is going to be higher, right? So you got to find somebody who's willing to take the risk for that low valuation, right? Like, so like, let's take Beauty Counter, for example. You know, I raised money. I, I raised, we, we invested in money, I think, when she was at $6 million valuation. She didn't even have product. And we, we, we didn't even, I just was invest, investing in her because I knew whatever she was going to do, she wasn't going to give up. I had never even tried the product. I'd never even seen the product. I just liked the concept. I liked what she was doing. So you just almost have to find that person who believes in, who likes medicinal mushrooms and you know knows that industry or, and also wants to invest in women. There are a lot of women right now, like a lot of people that are going after women. Um, I was just having this conversation with an, a friend of mine who, who you know, um, started a company, sold it. And he was just saying to me, like, right now is the time for women. Because he's like, there are so many people scrambling to fill up board seats Fill up, you know, positions to kind of check that box because they realize that yeah. they're kind of not doing that and they're not doing a good job. So you know, it's just finding that right company or right VC, right private equity that literally is focusing on trying to get women. Well, it's interesting. I mean, all true, but it feels like you know, and maybe we're just coming from a place of having another, you know, a week last week that that was challenging and and we felt like you know we were pretty close to something only to have it kind of. Mm-hmm. Have to get stretched out a little bit longer, but you know we're we we are checking so many more boxes than so many of our peers, even because you know as Zoe was saying, a we have the track record, right? Like we've already done this. Mm-hmm. So B to your point, um, you know that to me suggests like these people have perseverance, they have you know the grit and the commitment. The fact that we're in for as much of our own money as we are also suggests you know how much we believe in in this prospect. And how willing we are to continue to push it down the field. And then fourth, but maybe probably most importantly, is like, this is a proven category. It's not even like we are, yeah. you know, cracking into something like, I don't know, green but juice maybe that that's comes what to scares you through the mail. Like, too, is the fact that it is a big category and people know how hard well, it is to get into the category. But average. I mean, I think, you know, what's different here compared to where we were with Blueprint. And again, we didn't have any of these conversations with Blueprint because we didn't have to. But... You know, we are entering into a category where there is already proof of concept because I think that, especially for you know a lot of up and comers out there, proof of concept is one of those very elusive phrases where you're like, "Well, how do you know when it's been proven?" And we're like, "No, there's proof. Like there are yeah, people know it. People in yeah. the hundreds of millions now well, on functional mushrooms." When you're saying proven concept, you're talking specifically about the functional mushroom space, not just beverage in general. Like, Correct. Like, functional mushroom yeah, yeah. space is proven. Beverage is huge, but. Right. Um, so, you know, right. it's a bit of a But you bring up a really good point. I think anything that's sales or in general for anybody who's listening, first of all, everything takes twice as long, twice as much money, right? But also like, I was never a salesperson until I started doing Beauty Counter and I joined as a consultant because I wanted to understand that industry and the company I invested in. And so I spent a lot of time learning about sales. And one thing I realized, and this kind of applies to you guys because you're selling your company for fundraising is... It's it's all numbers. It's a numbers game, right? Everything. It's almost like to find one good consultant, you're talking to thousands of people before you can sign somebody on. So you're talking mm-hmm. 10 to 1 to even get someone to say yes. And then 
And then if the 10 to 1, like, so you're calling 10 VCs for them to even say, yes, I'll, I'll listen to you or I'll hear your pitch. And then from there, out of those 100, like, so if you do 100 of them, you get 10 people listening, maybe one of them will say yes. Mm-hmm. So you almost have to talk to 100 people for one of them to even probably think about investing just because, or will invest. Like, that's just the odds of just sales in general. Like, yeah. I'm trying to sell right. lipstick. I got to talk to 10 people to even have them listen to me. And then, one will say yes, you know, or, or sign them on to my team. One will say yes. And out of the 10 that sign on, like one will really work. Mm-hmm. So out of 100 people I talk to, I'll have one working beauty counter rep. You know? Yeah, it's a lot of frogs to guess. I'm wearing my undaunted hat. <laughs> the competition? No, not really. <laughs> oh, man. Um, okay. Well, so you've got the book. And so when is the book coming out? It's coming out in September. Okay. That's so, exciting. Yeah. yeah. So if anyone wants to listen, just go to the badassceo.com backslash book, or you can go to, at that point, if it's after September, go to Amazon, right? So, uh, yeah. yes, Amazon. Um, can, can you have children? Oh, I have lots of children. <laughs> <laughs> I have five. What? I have five children between <laughs> 20 and six. I have a kindergartner. I was one of those crazy people that became pregnant at 44 years old. <laughs> the last, for the last child. For the last child. They're all the same husband. Um, so my oldest is in ki- college. And then my youngest just finished kindergarten. God, you and Michelle Melvison, man. I keep referencing her. Yeah. Does she have five? She or she's four, I think. Maybe four, yes. Yeah. It's a litter, however many. It's, yeah. a, it's, a, lot. it's a lot. Uh, okay, so you have boys, girls, mixed? Mixed. Two, okay. uh, three girls, two boys. and. Okay, three girls, two boys. How are you? So I, when I think about all these problems, like women walk into the room, they have less confidence than men. You know, like this is obviously something that's happening way before we enter like the workforce, or you know, it's happening in school, it's happening at you know during a very young age. Like, I don't know, is, is there a way to sort of like nip this in the bud? Are you approaching it in any specific way as you raise these boys and girls to sort of give them kind of like an even playing field? Well, you know, it's interesting because I wasn't raised that like, oh, you're going to work when you grow up. You know, even though my mom, like my parents had real estate and so my mom kind of managed the real estate, but my mom was like at home, like she was a stay-at-home mom, but she, you know, did the real estate thing, managed those those buildings um, and the rent and all that. But definitely with my children, I am definitely like, what are you going to do with your life? Like think about it, but also you want to have flexibility, right? I definitely feel like you want to be able to do something that you can be a mom if you want to be and and not be kind of wed to the desk all the time, right? You need to kind of think about that. So I'll definitely say things, you know, to my kids like, hey, but I also definitely like kind of inspire them, like the entrepreneur spirit. I'm like, you know, working for the man, you're only going to get so far. Like, you know, if you see this person, look, they started their own business. This person started their own business. So if we talk about people that we know, like they started their own business, they're entrepreneurs, or they took a risk and started working for a startup and they were willing to take that risk. So we got definitely talk about like the risk reward of entrepreneurship and doing your own thing and at some point in your life, you know? It's funny. It's kind of like the parallel conversation people have with, you know... Hollywood actors, like, do you ever want your kids to get into the business? And half of them are like, no, there's no way my kids are getting in show business. They're going to get a good old fashioned job. And then the other ones are like, well, as long as you go about it the right way, it is kind of a funny, you know, parallel to think, like, would you 
would you wish this on your children? Some of what we go through, you know, actually, this, like, like the unpredictability and just the uncertainty coupled with, you know, it's just it's, the highs are high and the lows are really fucking low. Right. They are. But you're also the, that you get that same experience working for a company, but you're just in yeah. somebody else's hands. Right. I, I think actually the bigger conversation is, and I've had this with my kids is like, Hey, can I just give you the money I would give you for college and go start a company? Right. Like if, if, at some point, are you better off getting four years of work experience mm-hmm. or go work or, or even better yet, go work at a call, go to school in a city where you can also be like interning on the side. So when you graduate, you kind of already know what you want to do, what business you want to go to, or better yet, like working at a company that maybe in an industry you want to start something. So you're already learning that as well. So mm-hmm. you're kind of getting, um, unless you want to be like a doctor or something that you have to like obviously have a, a higher education degree, but. In general, if you want to be an entrepreneur, like you should be learning along while you're doing it. I definitely have been trying to convince my kids to do that. Yeah. But it can also be one of those things. I mean, I know for myself, I don't necessarily think I always had an entrepreneurial vision. I think it's no surprise that this is where I landed. Both of my parents worked for themselves, but it didn't, I didn't have the tools or the, um, the understanding of, of what all that represented when I was. You know, in high school and caught, like I wanted to be in theater. That's all I wanted to do. That's all I could think about. That's what I went to school for. So I fell into it later. My point being, like, I don't, I I have nothing but, you know, excitement and and admiration for kids who are now, you know, 15, 16, 17 and already know, like, I just want to do this one thing for myself. Sometimes it happens later. Sometimes it kind of, you know, you have to kind of go Mm -hmm. through. I mean, even like you were saying earlier, for me, I always had to do things the hard way to learn them. I was not somebody who could just like take someone's advice and have them say, here's something you really want to think about 10 years down the road. Like I just needed to go through it in order to come out the other side. And you're like the accidental entrepreneur that I actually even wrote a blog about that. There are a lot of people that just fell into it because they were fulfilling a need, right? Yeah. Well, and like, you know, the case, right? Yeah. And I think sometimes it's also a product of like, okay, well, I know that I maybe have a problem with authority and don't necessarily yeah. like working That's in my someone problem. else's rules. Yeah, yeah. That's a big factor. Or you're sitting there at work, you're like, oh my God, why are they so dumb? I could do it better. Right. You know, why am I listening to this guy? That's a tough one. Well, I think you know, it's like, you know, you're an entrepreneur when. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Southern community. But yeah, no, I think it's funny because I, I often get the, co- like the, the comment too that is like, well, how... Like, aren't you terrified to like take that right? Like, I could never like. It's just it's so much easier to work in a company and blah blah blah. And you have to worry about all this stuff. And I'm like, it's the total opposite for me. If I go and like work for someone else, my my ultimate fear is that I'll probably be fired because I would be a horrible employee. So it's actually riskier <laughs> in my mind <laughs> to go down that path and to just like do something up by myself. I have total control over it. You know, no one can fire me but myself. <laughs> Um, so true interesting and so what's next for the podcast nothing I'm just going to keep plugging along and then I also am starting to work on a um, a course to help entrepreneurs like kind of like a business in a box kind of to help them um, launch and just kind of save time right there's like so much time that uh, like resources that we all kind of spent days and months and years googling to try to put that all into like one place for people to save time and um, be more efficient and kind of get from point A to point B quicker. And then also have a finance bent to it to help them learn the basics of like a little mini MBA class. 
I think that to me, that to me is certainly the most compelling piece that I think is so elusive for mm-hmm. so many, especially when you're talking about, you know, wellness, beauty, anything in like packaged goods, which I feel like more often than not, the inspiration for those types of companies generally comes from just your own user experience, right? Like you were saying, like, uh, you know, I love this lip gloss, but I wish it was clean. Or, you know, I love this type of like granola, but it's XYZ and, and you solve a problem for the need that you have. So oftentimes that really comes from like the product and experience point of view. And if you don't happen to have a real concrete understanding of business finance, then like that part is real intimidating, like very quickly. Right. Um, so I feel like having somebody break that down in a super tactical way um, that doesn't feel, you know, preachy and that doesn't feel judgy, but actually just says like, you know, this is something that you're gonna need whether you like it or not. Right. Um, and I feel like right now there's a lot of entrepreneur like other other podcasts and people doing what I'm doing as far as like interviewing other CEOs and stuff like that and offering courses, but they're more like marketing driven. They're mm-hmm. more about like how yeah. to like get followers or how to build a course or, you know, they're not as many like break, like breaking down the basics of like, okay, you're going to have to raise money at some point and this is what you need to know. So you're not being taken advantage of. Right. Right. Yeah. That's quite helpful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we'll give it a quick read. I'm just curious, is there any one uh, industry or category that you're excited about right now? No, I definitely, I, I definitely kind of go towards uh, the wellness. That's just kind of what I understand and what I know. My my husband also invests too. He he does a lot of tech kind of stuff. Just so happens, you know, we just invested in and not just we've invested a while ago in you know a couple of companies. One one is for um, a mental health company called Gut Help. Um, just because that's something personal to us. Uh, so people who are, you know, kind of um, need help, they can go to gethelp.com and it helps them find places to, to, to go instead of the hospital that don't help, doesn't help you. And so that's one place. Um, we've also just done also um, another company is called like EV Connect, where they, I was just going to say, I, uh, it's a femtech company, right? Yeah. Or, oh, oh, wait, just, what'd you L- say? LV or EV? Oh, EV. Never mind. Go on. No, like for cars, you know, electric electric vehicle. So we did that. um, But yes, we definitely do more. I like to looking at consumer products, but I'm kind of picky. Like I had somebody who I wanted to invest, who wanted to invest in, um, wanted us to invest. But you know that this stuff wasn't organic. So I'm like, I'm not going to invest in something I wouldn't give my kids. You know, I'm Mm -hmm. definitely kind of picky about that. Um, If I'll use it, I'll, I'll eat it. I mean, if I eat, I'll invest in it if I can use it, but I'm not going to. But it also has to be big enough. I had another company that I was going to invest. I love it, but she wasn't thinking big enough as far as like the growth. Like it's got to be worth the risk, right? Mm-hmm. And that's one thing. If you're going to invest in something so early on and there's such a high risk, there's got to know that at some point I could sell it for a billion dollars. You know, mm-hmm. it's not going to be sold for 50 million in 10 years because that doesn't do anything. No, that's not that exciting. That's that sounds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, uh, from an investor standpoint, that's not that interesting. Yeah. All right. So you're all over the place. God. I'm all over the place. Yes. I know. I can't keep focused. That's my definitely my downfall. No, but I think it's a lot of downfall. entrepreneurs. I think there's a lot of entrepreneurs downfall, Listen, right? They just can't focus. But we all have to wear so many hats. And especially when you're in an early stage of anything, you really do. I mean, you say jack of all trades. I feel I'm living the same way. You know, you can use the word generalist, whatever it is. But 
it, it's so much, I think it's, it's an advantage because it just means you're more nimble. It means that you're able to kind of slip into something that, you know, somebody with super formal training that goes very deep, but very narrow is just not going to have that type of flexibility. So um, I think it's an asset. Right. Um, what do you feel is like the one, I mean, just from the stories that you've collected in these conversations, as well as your own experience, what's like, what's your best piece of advice? And what's like the worst, I don't know, the worst like fail or the worst, um, maybe like missed opportunity you've encountered? Well, I mean, I definitely mentioned a couple of them earlier on in the podcast, but I, I definitely feel like looking back at my life, I, I see trends, but I gave, I gave up too early. You know, like I definitely, in hindsight, if or a piece of advice I would say to somebody is if you believe in your product, even if you are a couple years ahead and you have the financial means to keep it going, or if there's some way, just don't give up because someone said no or the time's not right, you know, because at some point you're creating the trend, like especially when you're like talking about white space last week. It's like, White space people might not be used to what they they don't even know what they they're missing right and so you're kind of have to educate them and you don't want to what another thing I learned about marketing and sales is it takes somebody like seven to nine times to hear something mm -hmm. um, before they buy or they act right and so that's like why I tell my consultants with beauty counters like don't be number one through five like you're telling your friend buy beauty counter buy beauty counter buy beauty counter and then by the fifth one you're like embarrassed because you feel like you've just harassed them. They haven't heard. They they're not listening the first five times. They don't. They don't even hear it. It's like subconsciously, right? So you don't want to be number one through five, and then somebody else comes along at six, seven, and eight, and they get the sale, right? So it's this, you know the same idea. It's like you might be starting a company, and just know that it takes seven times for somebody to like hear it and adapt and adjust and actually purchase, right? And so don't give up. It's a, too early on. You're going to get a lot of no's. There's a lot of people. Against you, including family, personal friends, right? The people who you think are behind you sometimes aren't. So just because they say no, don't don't give up if you <laughs> believe in it. No, I think that's super valuable. It's like, isn't it the same? It's, it's the same statistic with like getting kids to eat something. They have to try it like seven times before. That's fifteen. That's fifteen. It's fifteen. All right. So that, entrepreneurs are coming out ahead. It's um yes, you can't you can't officially say that your child doesn't like X food until you've offered it to them fifteen times. Is that I whatever realize that? Made up. I, who knows? Yeah. But that's what I read. But it all comes down to resilience. I really, honestly think so. It's like being able to bounce off, like you know, shake yourself off and get back up and keep doing it again. That that's I think comes down to like if you're going to succeed or not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. could it could be easy for you guys to be like up. Oh, we don't have the finance. Okay. Oh, well, that was a failure. Let's, let's move on. Right. Or you can just get out that Rolodex and start calling another hundred people, you know, and, yeah. and keep going until you get there. Um, or until you find the right, it's, it's, I believe in like the things are going to align if it's meant to be and, and they will, but um, don't give up if, because it's, there's a reason why, right. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. Right. That's and I think it's, it's fair to remind, um, yes, budding entrepreneurs that there is a, fair amount of humility that comes along with all of these things. You know, it's like, right. it's, it's hard putting your tin can out and asking people for money and like telling yeah. people, trying to convince them to believe in you. Like, And there was somebody, one of the CEOs on my podcast, I, I loved it. I can't remember who it was. He said, everything's figure outable. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, like everyone, anything can be figured out. So you just got to figure it out, find the answer and just don't take no until you find the answer or you find the investor or you find, you figure it out, right? Just 
you'll figure it out one way or another. And then I like it. I'll take it. All sound, all sound advice. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Mimi. This has been so, um, I think, encouraging. And on a personal level, I feel like, you know, maybe we needed a little pep talk today. I think so. we did. I was like, oh, good. We're going to get a pep talk from you. <laughs> <laughs> no, this has been awesome. I love it. This has been really, uh, um, It's thank you very much for having me on. It's been a Absolutely. privilege to be on. And um, I'm so excited what you guys are doing. Thank okay, you, well, guys. Thank you so much, Mimi. We'll send everybody to check out your podcast and your upcoming book. Thanks for listening to HTW. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and make sure and rate us on iTunes. You can even give us five whole stars if you think we deserve it. If you have ideas for guests or topics, you can call our 1-800 number. Yes, we have a 1-800 number at 800-674-1839 or holler at us on social at HTW Podcast. You can also head to our website at htwpodcast.com for more episode info and check out our Daily Blend blog to see what we're drinking.